Hello, Brian. Wow, that was gorgeous. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for having me on this show. It's been such an honor. Thank you, Justin. (laughs) I'm excited to have you here. Uh, For everyone who's not aware, this is Justin Waves on the keys. Just feeling the major vibes today, you know. major key. I'm feeling major vibes, bro. I'm so glad. For everyone who's not aware, Justin is here playing on my new keyboard that I got. Steinway piano. It's not a Steinway piano, but it sounds very nice. Well, it's a Steinway sample. We are a sampled software instrument. The Logic Steinway. Logic Steinway Grand Piano. Indeed. And so... I just got this piano so that I could start to learn and Justin's given me a little a little lesson and he's playing on the keys that have little stickers on them. <laughs> the show which which uh, note is on each key because you know having never played the piano before I thought this would be helpful for me to learn. So I'll have the keys for a little while with the little descriptions on them. They're color coded and everything. It's very nice. I'm sure Justin enjoys having him on the keys, making him laugh while he plays. How long have you been playing the piano, Justin? I began playing... uh, My mom started teaching me basic shit when I was really, really young, like four or five. And and she taught me how to play, like, you know, Heart and Soul and Fur Elise. My first thing I learned was chopsticks. I use just my two index fingers the whole time. Like this. Then I learned heart and soul. You know, the basic shit. I I used to play uh, Fur Elise. she had a book of like basic beginner piano songs and she still plays them to this day all those songs so definitely uh my mother uh started teaching me and my uh, grandpa as well when i was like probably four or five so in short probably about uh, it's hard to say because i I was focused on guitar for many years and then uh only in the last five i've been really serious but on and off 20 years i'd say What's yeah. the favorite? What's your favorite thing you've learned to play in that in that twenty years? Do you have something off the top of your head that well, you go to uh, a lot? In the last five years, I've put more effort into learning uh, piano, uh, especially jazz. Um, I did study theory in, in college and uh, fell in love with jazz. It's it's kind of music for people that study music it's kind of it's funny it's 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 been always known as a musician's uh, like genre because like technical wise we could see what's happening and it's like usually really complicated and exciting in that regard so uh the most recent thing um i've been happy with is a uh a reharmonization i did of misty um which is a jazz standard i'm forgetting the author
See, it's a uh, wonderful. And the reason I like that style of playing so much is because um, it's it's me doing the uh, harmony and the melody at the same time, which is the chords and the melody. And um, I'm using what's called block voicings for the chords, which to me sound really open. Like instead of playing the uh, E flat minor seven like this, I'm playing it like this, you know? Or sorry, major seven. Just like cool wide open voicings I could use. And when I say voicings, it's just a way uh, to structure a specific chord. Like I can play the same chord like this, or I could play it like this, or I could add an extension and add a little more color to it with that note. That would be a C major nine, because I've added the nine and it's a C major. So anyways, yeah, that was a little rabbit hole we went into in harmony but um i really like that song misty uh and it you know it took me a while to uh kind of write this version of it and that's why I, I could play without any music now because i just i played it over and over and over again trying to get it right You are unbelievably talented on the piano, Justin. I guess that's what 20 years will do for you. But you also play a number of other instruments and produce all different kinds of music. Uh, could you give us a little bit of a, a history of your musical career and and what you're focused on now? Yeah, well, I guess we already started at uh, the beginning with the piano uh, and my mom and grandpa. Uh, and... Uh, I always had an interest for music, love for music. I never really fully pursued it uh, until my uh, dad came home with a guitar he found in the trash can at the college that he worked at. There was a, a totally operatable, it just had a big crack in the body, but it sounded good. It was a nylon string acoustic guitar, and uh, he taught me a couple, three chords on a sheet of paper, so to learn these three chords, and then when you're could switch between the three like I'll teach you three more and he did that and then I learned three more after that kind of got the bar chords and then kind of reached the the end of his knowledge and uh, by that time the internet was there just starting but like there was a couple internet sites I found that uh, taught me the blue scale and like so uh, guitar I really got into music after that. Uh, I started my first band not uh, probably like a year later. So I was about th 13, I think, 12 or 13 when I started my first band. And then, you know, then I got heavy into music. And I did uh, I did bands for about seven years all throughout high school. And then in, in high school, I did like school band and played trumpet and like did marching band and, and all that shit. Um, and then uh, that went into community college where I kept the music going and uh, with it, everyone that was in my my band too uh, we all ended up going to the same community college which was cool 
and so we all studied recording arts and production and uh, music theory and uh, yeah, we we're all together. In fact, the, uh, the the recording arts department used our band as like fodder for the recording arts classes. So we got a bunch of demos recorded at college, which was sick. Um, music videos too, even which was fun. Those were great times, but. Uh, yeah, man, it's a long kind of sorted musical history. Like after uh, after 2007 or so, electronic music started picking up and I was already like making music on my computer as a hobby. That became like a huge fucking thing. And then DJ culture and, and that just wave swept over the US. And uh, it was fucking fantastic yeah i remember <laughs> i remember i went to, to school in 2010 is when i moved out to los angeles and it seemed like the kind of edm electronic music scene was really picking up around that time yeah and i remember daft punk was at coachella that was 07 right the alive tour and and that was like everyone oh, yeah. everyone started to get into it around the then fucking, and then uh, the pyramid thing yeah yeah and then and then when i was in school it was like there were shows coming to town. I remember Swedish House Mafia was touring and all kinds of these bigger artists that you seemed like maybe were, um, couldn't have maybe had that tour years back, but it seems like maybe that it was picking up and they could do it around that time, 2010, 2011. It really started to picking up. At least that was in my, in my world. Yeah, it was a Godzilla of like melodies and uh, like how, what, Avicii and you know R.A.P. and just uh, good times man so when did you start when did you like produce your first electronic track and and when did you play your first show like as a, a live DJ yeah so uh, that's a good question uh, so I started like I said uh, I started making computer music i'll just say like i started making like uh stuff in high school so i was about 16 when i started uh making computer music but it was not edm it was uh more influenced by like the postal service you know i was in rock bands and indie and shit like that so uh gotcha, gotcha. i was inspired by like postal service and um I forget the guy's name in the postal service not ben gibbard but the other dude uh, he just put he's Electronic, I guess you could say, and then uh, so I started producing those. But the first dance track uh, I started to experiment with in high school after this girl gave me a blank CD that was, or not a blank CD, she gave me a burnt CD of Tiesto's Elements of Life remix. <laughs> and I was, uh, that was that was my gateway drug into EDM was trance because uh, I was uh, you know, studied music and I actually in high school composed uh, some big band like charts I, I did a a big like 32 part wind ensemble piece for our school's band that was performed um as well as a jazz chart a big band jazz song uh on like finale i was using like music notation so uh around that time at home i was making like weird idm electronica glitch stuff and then uh then this girl's like in high school, she's like, "Hey, you, you're like, I hear your beats. You should listen to these these guys." And yeah, it was Tiesto, Elements of Life. The other burnt disc it was like a demo CD full of like random artists, and there was one that stood out. It was like this dead mouth 
I've got is pretty sick, you know? <laughs> so I was a senior in high school at that time. I was like 18. For anyone listening who is in Gen Z, I guess you call it, the Zoom generation, Zoomers. Zoomers. Any Zoomers out there? Uh, if you're listening, a, a, Justin referred to a technology called a CD. Uh, that's called, <laughs> let's see. It is known as a compact, compact disc. disc. Yeah. Uh, yes, and compact discs were all the rage back in the late '90s. Um, you would you would take them and put them into your your computer. They're like a donut shape, kind of, and and you would put the music on those, and then you'd carry around a CD player. Uh, and and you would you know it it, it wouldn't really fit in your pocket exactly. Some people had like like you know little holsters for them, like a Lockman, like a yeah. gun holster on your belt. Um, at least yeah. the good ones had you know you could holster the good ones because because you got to be able to skateboard and have your CD player on your belt. And if you touch one end of the CD, then it gets scratched and oh, right. skips forever, yes. and you have to buy a new one. Yes. So uh, anyone out there, go check them out. They actually still have them in stores. Yeah. <laughs> Any zoomers out there, go CD check out the CD. Compact is. But uh. Speaking of, yeah, so the, it's kind of like funny. We were discussing a little bit earlier before we started recording the music industry and, and how it's changing over time. And I was talking to Justin about how the, the crash of the CD and how we've moved into digital downloads and now streaming services and things like Spotify and Tidal. And so it's interesting because it's like the industry was moving toward all this live music being being really the the revenue generator, all the the ticket sales and the touring. And so Justin, you were actually starting to to get into some of that festival touring and some of that, right? I remember 2019, you were at Outside Lands, were you not? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I uh, I was I uh, I played a lot of like gigs that year and then uh, I just turned off all of a sudden and uh, everyone got kind of yeah, COVID has really has really kind of messed with the whole the whole industry. So for anyone who's not aware, it's like according to the government, a non-essential industry, right? Music and live music. It's like oh, if those if you own one of those venues or if you're one of, you know work at one of those venues or you're someone who plays at one of those venues, the government just decided that th- those things shouldn't be open during COVID, right? And so most of those have actually still been shut down. up until now even especially out here in california but even in some other parts of the country so musicians not just you but a ton of musicians have been not being able to tour and really really make money so that's kind of given rise to more streaming and things like that like you've done some streaming on twitch as well isn't that right yeah yeah absolutely uh dj twitch is now a thing and uh it's a really good thing that's definitely come out of this um it's definitely kept the community kind of glued together, and um, there's been some very interesting ways to go about the whole thing, too. I've seen some really creative streams and stuff. So. You have such a cool story, Justin. You're a very creative individual, and you've released some of your music. And I know you haven't released a ton of it. And so I want to ask you about that. What's what's it like to be a, a very creative person, and what's that process like to try to figure out when when something is done or when you should share it and who you should share it with? That's a very very deep question. Um, 
I know it's it's hard. Uh, a, I I don't know what it's like to not be a creative person. Um, you know, I think everyone in their own regard is creative uh, in some way. You know, I think we are all artists at the end of the day. Uh, painting a picture that is our life, and um, you you are you are an artist in your own right. You know. Why? Um, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, the financial forecast can certainly be sometimes more of an art than a science. <laughs> you know, there's a joke that uh, that you you say in finance sometimes that's like goes something like, "If you torture the numbers long enough, they'll submit." <laughs> so it basically means you can. It is kind of an art more than a science in some ways. You can absolutely. you can manipulate the parameters of certain analyses yeah. and that can kind of or just like, morph where you're going, what, what you're creating into something that maybe you didn't anticipate in the beginning. So in that way, it's kind of, kind of like art, but I'd say yeah. it's, it's, and you've been hitting the canvas every day and, and like slowly it's just morphing into like something, you know, something awesome, something bigger than what you ever imagined, you know? Of course, yeah, well, I appreciate that. I see myself as more of an analytical brain, but I also really reject the idea that I need to classify myself as either analytical or creative. I, f I think I'm probably somewhere like a 60-40 split or a 55-45 split, but society kind of wants you to to go in one direction and it always has from the time when you're a young kid, right? Even in school, it's like, are you good at math or are you good at social studies? Yeah. Can Are you good at reading or writing? Yeah. And you know, it's, you can't box people into that. Uh, Cause we're, we're very fluid, you know, and changing and, uh, but uh, to answer your question too, like, Oh, let's imagine if we did this fucking, this exact podcast, I'm trying not to swear that much for the children thank you the children really appreciate um, that but imagine if we did this podcast every day for like uh you know 200 episodes that 200th episode's going to be on such such another level than this episode you know what i mean like in terms of just quality and like it'll probably have crazy intros by then you know like if we worked on this every day for like 200 days which is not even a year, you know. Um, what if we made an episode a day? That it. So the question is: At what point will you ever? Will the show ever stop getting good? Like when will it plateau? There's millions of other people making other material, and it's uh, it, it it becomes a deeper thing of like what is ready, what what is a finished product. At some point, you have to really just choose out of everything you've made, and uh, and you know, either have it all mean something, maybe tell a story with it all, or uh, or not even. Uh, put that out as a unit of finished product and uh, you know in the old days that was 12 song LP but today like music is now digest through social media platforms and put you know putting out 12 songs as a unit uh, if you don't have an audience built up already is, is kind of a waste of all the songs you have because you can use 
one song and do like a 20 post campaign on you know one song and then do the same thing for a second song and build slow you know it it's it's weird now because the audience has shifted entirely to a digital landscape right so so that's kind of that goes along with the change in the industry right so it used to be uh, CDs, right? And that was yeah. that was based on the the vinyl, and that's based on releasing the whole album, right? So yeah. it's either a single, and that was a physical, it's either unit. a single or a whole album, right? Yeah. And yeah. so so then that got broken with iTunes, right? They they started yes. the whole single song, a song model, for a, right? a song for ninety nine cents, yeah. Right? And so now it's all about the single. It was all about the one song release, and the album was less important, and the the record label, labels didn't like that, of course, but. Yeah. They had to do something because they were losing their CDs revenue. And so now we're in this social media cloud-based SoundCloud world, and now it's even harder to make money by releasing a song because now everybody expects to get it for free, right? Not only are you releasing yeah. it on social media, but if I have to pay to hear it, not going to happen, right? Yeah. And so it's almost like you can't. you have to build... It's the chicken or the egg. You have to build your audience, but... In order to release the full album, but in order, but how do you build the audience without releasing that many tracks yeah. over time, right? <laughs> so it's almost um, how does it even, where do you even begin nowadays, yeah. right? But yeah. I think um, it's interesting that that you say you have so much music that you make. How what do you think on average is like? How much music do you think artists typically make, or or if if you're if you're a painter? You know, take a step back. Maybe it's not just you, uh, yeah. your musicians, but well, you know, say how many paintings does a painter make before they decide that one is is good, or or is it repaint the same painting three times over and decide that the third version is is the best one? That like, yeah, one. I, I that truly is the the path of the artist. I feel yeah, you know, that's like that's the really deep level thing because you really are like you are whatever your output is you know and if your output is zero then and you know you are technically nothing you know so it, it, at some point you do have to be finishing songs and say this this is or or uh, like pieces of art or anything you know you have to put a stamp on it at some point and uh wh wherever you draw that line it I, defines you as as a as an artist Right, because you could be the best painter in the world, but if nobody ever sees your paintings because you're you're you don't put them out because you don't think they're finished. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're like ninety eight percent finished, but yeah. not quite. Then you're Picasso, but nobody sees your paintings. Yeah. Right. Now, so um, so then there's the flip side of that, yeah. which is like releasing every painting, and then everyone sees the stuff you did hungover, right? Which is like not what you wanted people to see, right? So there's the, the flip side. So there's definitely some sort of balance. So I, I, that's kind of what I was getting at is I wonder what that spectrum looks like for artists and where the sweet spot is, right? I wonder if you, if, if we like interviewed the, the hundred most successful musicians and painters and all these creative minds, is it like, I just send it, I put, you know, I, I do, do do it and I put out you know half of what I what I make or because I know I Jimi Hendrix like they, there's still stuff coming out that, that he made oh yeah so so that's what I was so. just gonna touch on so to answer your question it's actually 
what I've what I've learned from uh, interviews with other artists and um, you know seeing that it is actually quite a lot of work. Uh, you know, everyone knows you're you. Sometimes you're gonna write bad songs. You know, you're gonna write probably more. I mean, definitely more than the good ones. Like, you know, hopefully not too many more, but... Um, right, because the, the best... I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just thinking some of the best artists out there, they only have a few hits, right? If only, if oh, only a handful oh, of hits. Yeah, everyone's like, like... It's not like... That's the thing, too. Some people, there's this illusion that uh, some people are just magic. And that they're like God, like... They're like the God chosen. And people see these incredible artists and they're like, oh, he's just like absurdly like godsend and uh those people would tell you nah man it's just like practice like honestly but people practice so hard and they get to such a crazy level that it just doesn't even compute to their their heads or like it must be magic this person is so insanely talented so that's the way i see you right like i see you as basically a magician sitting at that (laughs) (laughs) because i could just look at you and say like can you play me some jazz and you could just yeah you could just go right you didn't see the hundreds and hundreds of hours i've sat here like you know learning scales and shit like (laughs) you know like and there's there's it's also yeah it's a rabbit hole piano is it goes so deep if, especially when you get into jazz and shit like that it starts to get really like complicated and that's why I was saying earlier it's kind of like consider the musician's genre because it's like you know I don't know if to you but that to me that like that thirteen chord is is just like yeah it's, it's nice. really it's really nice. Me. But anyways. Well, Justin, we're coming up on probably 25 or 30 minutes here. We've been chatting. Um, oh, is there yeah. anything else that you would like to to discuss? I mean, um, this has been I, a great discussion so far. I, yeah, absolutely. And we don't have a time limit. We can keep going as long okay, as we want. I'm just, right. I'm just letting you know where we're at. Um, we certainly have an episode if we want, but there's tons more we could discuss. Well, we could keep keep a little more episode going on i think what about you interview me for a second what 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 can i what can i tell the tell the audience what do you what questions do you have for me and my lack of musical knowledge um well uh, i think you know if you want to take on learning an instrument or learning how to create music uh it's it's first important to figure out what exactly it is that you want to do um, you know, are are you? Because when it comes to like anything, let's say if you're gonna paint and start a new painting, and you have a completely white canvas, you know, anything's possible. You can throw paint at that canvas and call it you. You know, some people some people do that. <laughs> I have seen that, and some people do that in the music world too. And so. Um, and like as I was kind of showing you last time like getting some of the basic fundamentals of like western music theory will help you like make right melodies and chord progressions if you want to if you want to write it all depends on what you want to do first so if you want to learn how to play like Mozart or uh, you know Beethoven then take like classical music lessons um and then that you'd be a musical typist at that point where you're just like reading exactly the notes on the page the way they're written whereas if you were to learn jazz you'd be you'd be reading more of like a, this is you're supposed to play an e7 chord here 
and it's up to you on how to play that E7 chord, you know, it's more like free-flowing and more artistic in my opinion, like uh, if, if, if you want to be able to jam in a band or, yeah, so figure out what you want to do first. Um, gotcha. And what do you think that is? Well, you know, right now I really don't have an objective behind it, which is kind of the beauty of it. I am, I'm picking up some new hobbies. As you know, I just went rock climbing for the first time and I am, I just bought the piano. So I'm more just trying to learn. It's kind of nice to be a novice again at things like it's kind of like picking up a brand new book for the first time or like it's just totally new yeah. and, and it's very, it's very fun. I find myself sometimes steeped in things that I've been studying and learning for a long time and things yeah. get very detailed and things get very deep sometimes and you have to kind of take a step out of all of that. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's more of, it's, it's the opposite of you, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to make, make work out of it for myself. I'm, I'm just trying to kind of learn something new. Yeah, I wouldn't Eventually. say it's the opposite of me, though. Okay, maybe not the opposite, but, but I guess, I guess I'm, not, um, I'm not trying to produce something for an audience, per se. Um, it's more just for my own learning. Um, but I think that will change once I learn, right? Once I learn how to, how to use the instrument and how to play it, I think that will change. I'll decide to start, you know, I'll have goals of what to do with it. Yeah, right? yeah, but, yeah. but for now, the goal is just to, to take those stickers off the keys so I know how to yeah. I know which, which key is which. They, uh, they are a little elementary looking, but it's, you know, it's actually, I like how they have the notes notated on there. It's cool. Yes, I don't read music or, and I, and I don't. I, and you gotta, I think, especially, uh, you can't be worried about sounding bad, you know, for a long time. Uh, and that goes back to what my, like, me and, and all that is that uh yeah you're, you're gonna write a bunch of you know not good songs before you write that one that you know that like takes you to the next level and uh case in point back to what we were talking about uh not to shift topics back but um there was a interview with ed sheeran uh talking about when he wrote close to me and he, i think he wrote like four other songs that day They've been doing these writer sessions, and they write like five songs a day. And then, they're, oh, this one could be good for Rihanna. This one, you know, this one sucks. And, so, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the secret to all these people. They just work so hard, and they put out so much stuff so fast. They're able to work so quickly that uh, they can just sit back and choose the best. And um, yeah, it, it takes a long time to get to that point. And just uh, so, if you were going to craft something like that. Like if you wanted to create your own process, how how quickly could you like if you wanted to just work quickly and do that? Could you produce a song a day, a song a week, and I've then choose doing, the best? How how quickly can you do that? I've been doing like a song a day uh, when when I'm on my grind. Usually that's uh, usually one one a day, one or two. I could start a second idea and let it flourish, but I. I've I've made my process a lot faster uh, using just computer my computer and uh, samples. So I, I got like I minimalized my setup to be a little more streamlined and just 
something I can do on my laptop, you know, uh, without the use of too many controllers and interfaces and whatnot. So right, yeah, I've seen your live setup. I know it can be very, yeah, very got, intricate, really complicated. And even even in my studio, it's it's still pretty complicated. But it's uh, I have a lot of synths and like stuff, like out hardware, like out outboard stuff. But I like. I really like being able to lay in bed with my laptop and get a like beat pretty much going on. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. So if it was if if I can apply some of my numbers based brain here, uh, if you were creating a process, maybe it's like you produce say twenty tracks a month if you're on track for one a day. Maybe give yourself some breaks in there. So call it ten tracks a month. So that gives you month. that gives you two days, right? Yeah. yeah. But then you don't really want to release all those, right? No, because those no. are not all going to be great. So, yeah. so maybe one of ten, or two of ten, or you know, four of ten. Right? You could pick your pick your number is like worth even yeah. taking forward. So you just kind of say, okay, this month I'm producing ten tracks, and then out of those ten, I'm going to choose four that are ever going to like no one like no one's going to hear the other six yeah. ever, right? So you're going to like you have to be really selective about about the, about the four. Well, sure. Yeah, you, you yeah, put them right. put them in a just, uh, yeah. put them in a hold somewhere, right? Put them yeah. in a file. But but kind of the idea being that you're going to be brutally honest with yourself at the end of the month and say, okay, of these ten, which four are going to see the light of day? And then maybe of the four, it's like one is like actually going to go out on an album, but three are going to go out on SoundCloud or something like that, right? Yeah. So, so you're best of the best. At the end of one year, you have a one track from each month. So that's your 12. It's like it takes you a whole year to get to the 12, but you've produced 120 songs to come up with the 12 yeah. that are going to end up on the album. And the, the only ones that really get out, get out are the ones that are tested, you know, too, and the, the audience loves it. And then you're like, all right, this is a good track. I know I, I saw Dave Guetta did, uh, Dave Guetta used to do that back in his like prime, what was that, 2014 or something, when like, there's a David Guetta track on like everything. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I definitely um, saw him that year, so I yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. About. And uh, he, he, I saw an interview of him. It was like when he was working with like Will I Am and shit, and uh, he would test out uh, the instrumentals in the club at like Ibiza before getting like a pop singer on it, and then you know it's a tried and true beat. Like this one goes off. Let's get Rihanna on it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like what the comedians do, right? Like I've heard, I've heard um, Kevin Hart and Joe Rogan talking about how they they work out their hour, right? They spend the year working out their their like Netflix special by going to the comedy clubs and, and trying out the material and seeing <laughs> seeing what sticks and what doesn't. I actually saw recently. I was watching um, the special about the Comedy Store in here in LA. Oh yeah, and it was talking about how Chris Rock. And Steve Martin, before they went on to do the Oscars, before they hosted the Oscars, the night before they went to the comedy store and till like two in the morning, they were like on stage with their papers with all their potential jokes for the Oscars. Yeah. And they were, and neither of them had been on stage at the comedy store in like, you know, a decade oh, or two. And so the people there just like randomly got oh both God. of them coming on stage and preparing for the Oscars. And so Chris Rock says like, that was way cooler that night of like prepping with the audience was yeah. way cooler than like actually hosting oh, the Oscar. Sure it so it's kind of like what you're saying. saying, like like you have to test it first, right? You got to get out there and make sure that the yeah. crowd really likes it. Yeah, yeah. I think the more you do that too, the more connected you are with your audience and you know exactly what to deliver. And 
because at the end of the day, no matter what you're doing, music, the company, like you, it's all about giving people what they want. Because that's if they want it, they're you, you know it's gonna have value. Value. But it's also about making what you want to make, right? Like as an well, artist, yeah. you want to produce for yeah. yourself as well. So what's the balance on that? Well, if you are like a genuine part of your audience, then it should align. Okay, fair. Yeah, so you, you know want it I mean? to be for both, right? Yeah. So do you think artists struggle with that sometimes where the, their audience loves stuff that they don't want to they don't want to play anymore? Uh, I think a so businesses struggle with that. I think that's a huge thing. Uh, I think that's the number one thing like reasons you know, most startups like never make it off the ground, and so they get too into the product and not about the consumer. I think uh, it's uh, it's hard. It's really easy to lose touch with uh, with who's listening or who's paying attention and why. Especially and, uh, nowadays, you don't actually know, right? Yeah. Things get views and people are lurking. You don't know who actually saw it. Like this podcast, we'll put it out. Yeah. We don't know who's actually going to listen to yeah, it. Most dude. people, if you do listen to it, you're probably not going to text me and tell me that you... If you're listening to this right now, you are a hero. You are. <laughs> if you've made it this far, also, you should like text me and tell me that you're text listening. Uh, if you made it this far, text me and... Let hit me up on Twitter. It's Justin Waves. Um, Justin, this has been really, really fun and informative. I appreciate you also helping me set this up. I never would have been able to set up the keyboard with the two microphones all plugged in together without your assistance. So thank you for getting this all rigged up. This is Brian, wonderful. it's been my absolute and honest pleasure. I hope we do this again someday soon. And, um... To all you listening, I love you guys. Thank you. Would you like to would you like to release a song or or add one of your songs into this recording? We could we could you know tr this could transition into one of your tracks if you'd like. We could kind of add it to the end here to give people a little taste of what is you know Waves World, Justin Waves uh, musical talents aside from the wonderful Steinway Grand Piano that you've been providing everyone with these wonderful serenades this whole time. I would like to sing a song about this podcast. We didn't know what to expect when we sat down in Brian's bed. Did he hit record? And now we're not bored. We're not that goes for all you too all right thank you that was beautiful wonderful all right signing off signing, signing off, off. Thanks. thanks everybody thank you guys. all right bye-bye